0: Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me is my brother, Alex. Alex, how are we doing? Doing great. Happy to be here. Well, Alex, I don't know when exactly it happened, maybe 20 years ago, maybe longer, but the word gospel became an adjective. Uh, We want to be a gospel church. We want gospel worship. I want gospel kids. We're sitting at a gospel desk right now. And, uh, you know, just like, why not tag gospel to everything? And in the same way, maybe Christ-centered, phrases like that have just become uh, part of the vernacular of of Christian people. And there's a lot to be commended by that. You know, we want the gospel to shape our lives. We want our lives certainly to be Christ-centered. And certainly we want our worship and our singing to be in some way Christ-centered or Mm gospel-centered. Well, this leads us to to a practical question. Do we need all of our songs to be explicitly Christ-centered? In other words, do we need all of our songs to speak of Jesus or the gospel clearly? Do we need all of our songs to mention Jesus by name? How would you answer and, and guide us through these waters?
1: Well, well, the simple answer, and, and I think the accurate answer, is, is no. I don't think every song the church sings has to mention the name of Christ. Nor do I think every song. I mean, I want to emphasize: I don't think every song needs to even be even include a pronounced emphasis on the actual historical gospel. Now, I'm, I'm using the word gospel narrowly, so so sometimes people, the gospel could be any mention of grace or mercy or goodness or whatever. I'm talking actually about the historical events of the gospel, hmm. uh, uh, that, that Jesus Christ came into the world, he was the son of God incarnate, uh, that he lived a perfect life, that he went to the cross to, to die for the sins of his people, that he rose again in victory over sin and death was ascended at the right hand of God the Father and invites all those uh, who would come to him in faith and repentance uh, to believe on him. Uh, I don't think every song has to have that as the central sort of, sort of message of the song. Um, I, I think it's appropriate to sing general songs of praise to God that maybe don't mention the gospel. They certainly should praise him for the gospel itself. But I don't think every song has to have that note of, 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 of the gospel in it from a praise standpoint. There's songs of lament that may not mention Uh, the gospel, and that's perfectly fine. There are certain psalms that I think the church should sing psalms, and there are many psalms that don't make reference of the redemption that is to be found in the Messiah. So, no, I I don't think you have to do it. That said, I do think there's something to be said for Christ-centeredness in worship, Mm. Christ-centeredness generally, Mm. that overall, the gospel and the person and work of Christ receives a special prominence, Mm. Uh, in the service as a whole. But that doesn't mean every aspect of the service needs to be focused, laser focused on the actual you know, gospel itself. So
0: in what way can an, an order of service, the different things that happen in worship service, be gospel-centered?
1: Well, I think there's ways you can organize your service that are in fact shaped by the gospel hmm. or shaped by something like God man Christ Response or hmm. God Sin Christ Response if hmm. people are familiar with that kind of a rubric for presenting the gospel. And and as I think about it now, that's sort of the way our, our services are organized at a so? Well, you have a song of praise to open the service. That's the first thing we do is we sing a song of praise and there's a prayer of praise and then there's another call to worship and then there's another song that usually is oriented around the character and nature of God. So we're thinking about God and we're thinking about his holiness and his goodness and his perfections and all of that. that leads us to contemplation about ourselves as sinners and as finite and as his creatures and as those who need him in our lives and need his grace in our lives. So we go from a pronounced note of praise up front in contemplation of God and his person to a prayer of confession and an emphasis on our own sinfulness and our need for his grace. That moves to an assurance of pardon, which is a spoken assurance of pardon after the prayer is over. The man who leads that time usually will read uh, a text of scripture, um, you know, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to us to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then the subsequent parts of the liturgy at that point, usually there's a uh, some sort of liturgical element, a creed or something like that, stating what we believe to be true about God and about Christ and about the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a scripture reading of some sort, a pastoral prayer, and then it'll move to a celebration of the gospel usually and the songs that we're singing Um, And then we have the sermon, and then there's a song of response after. And so it does kind of take that shape of the gospel itself, who God is, who we are, the chasm that exists between us and God because of our sin, the way in which the gospel meets our needs and satisfies uh, our deepest longings and reconciles us with God, and then response in terms of how we live in obedience to Christ and how we live in service to him. So that's one way. I don't think you have to do it that way. Mm -hmm. That's one way in which the shape of the gospel can inform the way your service is organized.
0: Yeah, I just think it's appropriate, just as blood-bought people, those who have been redeemed by Christ, that we sing about his redemptive work explicitly. There should never be a a service we gather together uh, where we don't sing about the cross. Yes, we want yes. we want the cross to be always on our lips. Yeah. Uh, I often just check myself when I'm preparing a worship service. I'll even if I have it in a Word document or an Excel sheet. I'll I'll look up the lyrics and I'll look up blood. Mm. Cross, mm. Are we making mention of these in any of our songs today? And it's often yes. maybe three or four or five songs are all making reference to the cross. And, and
1: I want to say on that, it's, it's a subtle point, but I think an important one. I agree with you. The, the, the reason I think it's so important to have a a Christ-centeredness in worship and, and even an emphasis on the gospel in worship is not just because, oh, we so badly need the gospel, so let's celebrate it and sing about it and and, 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 and pray in line with it and all of that. That's true. We need the gospel. And who's not aware of that when they come into to corporate worship if you're a, a Christian? But it's also the gospel that is um, uh, the, the origin of praise that redounds mm-hmm. to God. Mm. I, think of, I think of even the coming of Christ into the world. Mm. And it is the incarnation itself that elicits from the angels that great song in Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. The heavenly host is worshiping God because he's redeemer, he's savior, he sent forth his son to save human beings. And so the reason we emphasize the gospel is not just because of human need, but because it exalts God and worships God and attributes to him those very things that that he wants to be attributed to him in in worship.
0: Hmm. Well, it's worth asking. You know, this is him talk, but I, I'd like to ask your preaching question. I mean, do you think uh, a preacher must preach the gospel in every sermon?
1: Yes, um, I, I would say there needs to be an overall sort of gospel orientation at least, and what I mean by that is a recognition that we are sinners in need of grace and. Um, those, those themes are prominent the work of Christ and his cross work as being not only that thing that saves us but also uh, empowers us for obedience to, 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 to God and all of that so that should be that if, if exactly the gospel is presented in full form in a sort of formulaic way at the end of the service I, I, I'm not so much talking about that now but I do think there's a sense in which the gospel is the theme of New Testament preaching. Mm. Um, certainly in my preaching, I always I try to make sure at least the gospel is clear mm. in every sermon I preach. It may not be the main theme of, of, of a particular message. But I, I endeavor, especially since in our setting we have lost people in our services every Sunday, uh, I want the gospel to be very clear in, yeah. in every every sermon.
0: Well, You harped on something that I, I think is very important, and that is clarity. I think if you're sitting under a certain man's preaching... Uh, it, it ought to be clear to all who hear him, how do I become a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe, uh, maybe he doesn't answer that question every single week, but it's clear if you're under his ministry for any length of time, you're going to know how it is I pass from death to life. How yes. does I become a Christian? Yes. I would apply that same ethic to the songs that we sing, that same rule mm-hmm. that the gospel should be clear. Yes. People should know uh, what faith is based on the songs that we sing. Yes. What a Christian life look. What discipleship looks like. What all these things look like based on the content that we're singing each Sunday. And,
1: and if I could just add, I think, I think just to clarify the answer I gave a moment ago with respect to preaching. I also I talked about an overall gospel orientation mm. th- that we have. Mm-hmm. The, the gospel is not like. Uh, the, the shower we turn off and on to wash the dirt off, but it's, it's more like the yeah. pool we swim in yeah. our whole lives. It's, it, we live and breathe the gospel. And so I'm not thinking more in terms, again, of a, a formulaic a pocket of the sermon where there's a package gospel presentation. It should just sort of um, uh, flow all throughout mm-hmm. uh, our preaching of God's word, our sense of ourselves, our sense of God, so in that sense, you, you sort of swam in the gospel mm. in every sermon, even if it hasn't been exactly packaged and presented in a very logical, linear format at some point in the service at the middle or the end or something like that. Mm. Even though that's, that's not a bad thing to do, we do that often as well.
0: Mm. Alex, any other thoughts on Christ-centeredness or gospel-centeredness in worship or singing?
1: Well, I, I, having said, it's, I think it's a good thing. It's an important thing that there should be an emphasis on Christ in the corporate worship service. I think there's an emphasis on Christ in the New Testament. Mm. There's a sense in which God has given him this position. He's been highly exalted, and he's to be in a special way the object of worship. I think there's there's many texts we could deduce uh, to, to make that point. That said, I do not think that... Um, we should work up Christ worship Christ to the exclusion of the other members of the Trinity hmm. and that we should just our services should revolve exclusively around the person and work of Christ. So I want people to get a lot of the the Godhead hmm. in preaching and in singing as well. Hmm. And uh, and so if if I detected, for example, we talked about this in the singing of the church, if if all our songs are just focusing on the second person of the Trinity and there's no contemplation of the Father or the Holy Spirit individually, particularly in our songs, then, then, then we're impoverished for that, and we need to go back to the, to the catalog of songs and yeah. correct that. And so Christ-centered, I think I'm comfortable with that term, but I don't want that to mean all we talk about is the second person of the hmm. Trinity and what he's mm-hmm. done for us. Mm-hmm. Worship should be more full-formed than yeah. that.
0: Well, the song we're about to discuss is certainly a Christ-centered it's- song, and the hymn of the week this week is Christ the Solid Rock, Christ the Solid Rock is written by Edward Mote. Edward Mote's years are 1797 to 1874. This hymn in particular was published in 1834. And Mote himself, he was a Baptist pastor in Sussex where he wrote close to around uh, 100 hymns. And we're discussing what certainly is his most popular work, and that is Christ the Solid hmm. Rock. Uh, you might know it by, by another name, uh, which is the first line, that's my hope is built on nothing less. Sometimes it's, it's under that name. Well, this hymn is typically sung in four verses. I believe Moat has uh, at least one or two more. But verse 1, uh, the one that's typically sung, sung, it articulates a substitutionary nature of salvation. I won't read all the verses, but I want to read this first one. So my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' mm. name. So at first verse discusses just the the substitutionary nature of uh, salvation. And verse 2 and 3 they discuss reliance on Christ through trial. So mm-hmm. the writer writes of, of when darkness comes, uh, uh the overwhelming flood that Christ sustains us through. And then the final verses culminate the final verse culminates in just joyful anticipation of Christ's return. Hmm. So each verse is followed by uh, what becomes just such a memorable chorus, and that's "On Christ the solid rock I stand; all other ground is sinking sand." Personally, I find this is a hymn that works in any part of the service. Hmm. It's a just an awesome uh, opening song of praise. It's great after a assurance of pardon or confession of sin. It's also just a fantastic song of response, which works uh, well after any presentation, clear presentation of the gospel. Alex, what are your thoughts on this hymn?
1: It's a fantastic song, and I agree with everything you just said. I think that it can fit anywhere in a service. I think it should just be part of the catalog of songs that every Christian is familiar with. I, I, I often ask, uh, 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 professing Christians in like a membership interview or something like that um, you know what, what is your hope of salvation before a just and holy God? Uh, you can do worse than the first line of this song my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness. I want my kids to know that line. I want the members of my church to know that line. I say that line often back to Satan. I repeat that line in worship to God. Uh, my hope is in what Christ has done on the cross for me, and I, I just can't think of a better way to state it than the first line of that song. And so I, I think God is honored. I think Christ is worshipped and exalted in a song like this. Heartily commend it for, and, and it, it's kind of like a like an anthem. It mm. sings well. Mm-hmm. You really cannot but shout this song, mm. you know. And and um, I would say in our particular uh, local church, it's it's definitely among the favorites of the congregation.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say this is a song that works just really well a cappella as well. Hmm. It's a, it's a um, for what it's worth, it's a catchy tune, um, very memorable. This is a song that I find the children of our church are really drawn to. I know, speaking as a former kid, uh, this is a song I, I, I really fell in love with at an early age and, and always loved singing. Al, talk to me about any favorite lines of this song.
1: Well, I already mentioned the line I like the most, and that's just the opening line of the song. I would also say, I, I very much appreciate um, what in our singing, I think, would be the third verse, mm. which sadly, I feel like in a lot of modern renditions I like hear, isn't included. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of renditions of older hymns, the, the movement is to have three verses mm. at all costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but this is a verse that's precious to me. Uh, personally, it reads, His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood, mm. when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. I'm thinking of his oath. Or what's his oath? His covenant. What's his covenant? His blood. Those things support me in the whelming flood. Powerful line and much to reflect yeah. upon. I
0: remember when our oldest brother, Anthony, got married. I sung this song at his wedding. And uh, it was, we did it as a congregational number. And he was particularly drawn to that line as well in applying it to marriage. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, uh, completely uh, parallel marriage, but the idea that in a marriage, it's not necessarily the, the passing feelings of affection that sustain the marriage, mm. but it's that commitment, that covenant that sustains it. And
1: that, yeah, I, I think the, the emphasis of the song is how certain our redemption is. Yeah. We're standing on the rock, not the sinking sand. He's like the anchor that holds, you know, within the, the storm. And it's, it's this oath, this covenant sealed in blood. That is the foundation of, of, of our salvation. And so, um, yeah, that aspect of it is just is so comforting.
0: Any other thoughts on this hymn, Alex?
1: It's excellent. I commend it to congregations. I, I agree. Sing it a cappella. Sing it in children's classes. Sing it at the end of the service, the beginning of the service. Beautiful hymn of
0: praise to, to God. Amen. Well, friends, we're out of time. Alex, thank you for your time. Of course, brother. Thank you.